Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson skulle jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson. Hockey. It's the great Scott Cullen. Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Scott. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to be able to talk to you. I've got a bunch of players that I want to bring up that we've even talked about on recent episodes. But now that I had you here, I was like, okay, but now let's get Scott's take and find sure, out sure. what you think. Uh, maybe just some general chat before we get into all of the news. Like, the main thing that I think most people know you for is you drop your projections, like, you know, three weeks or so mm-hmm. before the season. And then every year at the end, and whenever anyone's ranking projections, you're right amongst the top of, like, having gotten things uh, correctly. Like, what what's your secret? Like, I know this is, like, a really, like... <laughs> big answer and it's like i'm asking you it's just a, a quick intro but like i'd love to just know a little bit about like what's your process of like how do you come up with how you're gonna predict like how many points a player is gonna get all right well i guess the the basic is for guys who are um been in the league for a while i, I just run a, a weighted average of the past three seasons you know <laughs> that's the most recent season like for the guys who've been in the league now that's not yeah. the whole thing but but that's that's sort of the the baseline to get to get you started and then you know I'll, i will look at percentages you know whether they've had inflated percentages along the way like if if somebody's coming off a season where their on ice shooting percentage was you know 12 and a half percent i mean wow they're probably not going to do that again and and so then i start to adjust things down or up depending on uh on on where those were and i mean one of the one of the things that I, I sort of have trouble with, I guess, is, is when you do those uh, forecasts and you, and you, you know, you make your line combinations at the start of the year and you're like, Oh, well this, you know, this guy's going to play with these superstars. I should be really excited about this. And then like a week into the season, the, they change the lines. And all of a sudden that, that player that you thought was all set because they're playing with a superstar, it, it doesn't work. And so, I mean, yes, you have to be aware of the context and, and consider those opportunities. But I, I think as time has gone on, I've, I've started to diminish how, how much value I place on that. Uh, it's not no value, but it's probably less value than it might've been five or 10 years ago when I was doing it, when I would just, I, w- I would get all excited about somebody getting this opportunity on the top line. And it's like, oh, every t- every time the coach makes that change and takes them off the top line, you kind of die a little bit inside. And so um, yeah, sure. I, I found that, you know, being able to, I guess it, you end up sticking closer to the, the historical numbers is what, uh, works in, in, in your favor. And now I guess there are still other, you know, lots of other players who haven't got a three plus year track record in the league. Uh, and so I'll look to NHL equivalency uh, for guys who are coming out of the AHL or junior hockey or Europe. I mean, that, that's a lot of players. And also look at, um, you know, if you're looking at, at, you know, a guy who who has maybe been in the league for a couple of years, but 
if their opportunity is going to be significantly greater, like, you know, if they've been playing 12 minutes a game, but you look at their depth chart and it looks like, well, they're going to be playing 16 minutes a game this year for whatever reason, you have to kind of take all that into account, you know, context matters. And and so that's one of the things is that, you know, I, I can go through my spreadsheets and have kind of a baseline, but I go through every player after I do that to kind of be like, okay, should we just continue kind of along the same path? Or is there a reason to believe that it's going up or down uh, in addition? And so it, that that ends up being the process. And it doesn't sound like, you know, it's not rocket science that I, I'm doing here, but uh, in the in the end, we, we've tended to come up with uh, some pretty accurate projections. Yeah, I, it's interesting because it's almost like I feel like it's like asking, you know, like a singer, how do you sing well? Because on one hand, you're <laughs> saying it's pretty straightforward, like I make a spreadsheet, weighted average, but clearly the secret <laughs> sauce is you kind of then looking at the projection and being like, do I think that the opportunity is mm-hmm, something for mm-hmm. real that I should weigh and how much should I weigh it? And maybe that's just something that all your experience. Well, well, yeah, and, and I'm sure that's that's some of it, right, is that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so some of this stuff... Um, you know, as I always say about it, it's you're, you're mixing a little bit of art in with the science, you know, mm-hmm. that um, the 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 science, I guess, is, is using the, the weighted historical averages. And then uh, the art is uh, kind of putting the finishing touches on on top of that. All right. Well, I'm going to definitely be uh, wanting to make use of whatever art you have in there to try to predict what's <laughs> going to go on for the rest of the season here. And I've got a slew of players to talk about. I've got some headlines, uh, injuries, outjuries, hot streaks, cold streaks. So we'll get through as much as we can. And I want to start with our top fantasy headline of the week, which is, of course, over in Edmonton. And actually a good example of what you're talking about in terms of there was a player that people were super excited about going into the year because of the opportunity. And now it's going away in Zach Hyman, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone thought, hey, line one, power play one Hyman, that's going to be gold like with McDavid like what, what the sky's the limit 70 points yeah, 80 yeah, points yeah. Now, all of a sudden, the Oilers have signed Evander Kane. So he's in. It's been one game so far. The Oilers drubbed the Habs 7-2. to two. I don't know how much weight you want to put on a game where they were against the Habs. Uh, but against Kane, the Habs, yeah. yeah. But it went well. Like, I mean, Kane yeah. slotted in on the top line with McDavid and Yamamoto. He scored an early goal on a deflection of a Bouchard shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Ended the game with a goal. Three shots, four hits, uh, over 17 minutes of ice time. Uh, then, as far as the power play went, it looks like they only had one power play in the game. Kane was on the second power play, though I've seen him practices they've tried him so i wonder if maybe yeah. they'll change that but it was puliarvi on the top power play not zach hyman zach hyman was way down on i guess the third line with ryan nugent hopkins so definitely not the spot that people were expecting but i guess let's start with evander kane first because right now the kane hype train is like at its peak right everyone is pushing people over to try to grab evander kane or trade for evander kane do you think with this deployment that he currently has can he match his like 30 plus goals 70 plus point pace from last year or is it a situation where if you were one of the lucky slash smart people to snag him out of free agency which maybe now looking to try to sell for a huge return before the wheels fall off because this is a guy who you know had to have his contract bought out for a reason so anything could happen well i mean i i think my <laughs> i think both of these things can be true i think yes he can be a guy who scores at a 30 goal pace 70 plus point uh pace over the season uh because i mean he he, he was a really good player uh on the ice was very productive in san jose with a lesser supporting cast so uh, i I don't doubt that if you say, okay, Evander Kane, you're playing on Connor McDavid's wing, that the numbers can be there. Um, but is, is it worth uh, seeing what you can get and trade for him? Because, you know, the, there is an element of risk with Evander Kane that if things go off the rails, they could go off the rails pretty quickly and pretty hard, right? That that if, you know, if all of a sudden three weeks from now or a month from now, there are, there are charges uh, against Evander Kane. Well, 
you know, there's a risk that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be taken. And uh, I mean, look, that's a risk that the Edmonton Oilers are taking uh, by making this uh, signing in the first place. But there's, you know, some desperation on the Oilers part, some desperation on Kane's part. Uh, so they, they sort of, I think they end up in a bit of a marriage of convenience here is that Kane needs to rehabilitate his image uh, fairly dramatically. Uh, and the Oilers offer that opportunity. Right. That if they say, look, you're going to play with Connor McDavid, uh, chance to put up some numbers. And, and I don't know that he's, uh, you know, going to be in Edmonton beyond this year. Uh, but I know that Edmonton's also not, you know, they, they have to look at what's happening this year uh, and try and uh, try and make the playoffs. So I do think that, yes, Evander Kane, like if he's available to pick up, which, he, you know, in, in fewer leagues uh, as the minutes go by, uh, then, yes, by all means, you should. Uh, if you do have him, though, uh, I'd, I'd explore uh, seeing what you could get in trade because I, I just feel there's an underlying risk that goes with him uh, based on, I guess, the entirety of his career for the most part is that uh, there's there's always something that kind of lurks around the corner with uh, with Evander. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, like all due respect to the Oilers, like yeah, they're taking on a bit of a risk. I think I'd be taking on more of a risk if I were to trade one of my star players for for Evander. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I- I'm going to bring up a player in our second headline that I'll ask you if you'd prefer that player or Evander Kane. Mm-hmm. But first, I wanted to stick with the Oilers just in general. Like, what do you think of the Oilers' outlook for the rest of the season? Like, they had this really weird start to the year. Like, I mean, well, a great start, right? They great. were amazing. Yeah. Then at, what was weird was that they it completely fell apart. Uh, but now this win against Montreal was their fourth and a row so do you think we're back to the Oilers being like the dominant team that we saw at the start or I know they still like maybe need a goalie like we've been hearing news that Mike Smith might be ready to come back soon but who knows like if if he's like similar to his self from last year and the start of this year so what's your projection for the Oilers rest of the way now that they have Evander Kane well I I I, when they got off to such a a great start I was I was like well they're probably not this good uh, and then they've gone through that that long stretch where they you know were losing a bunch of well they're probably not that bad uh, and so I, I suppose the the real Edmonton Oilers are probably somewhere in between and I and I I think they're a playoff team which <sighs> that that seems like you're damning them with faint praise that the, this team that has yeah. <laughs> Connor McDavid and, and Leon Draisaitl and I'm like I I think they probably should be a playoff team that that's kind of where, where I sit on that and that's you know but but if you said to me okay well you've got this team, you've added Evander Kane. Uh, he's not going to get in any trouble for you and do something about the goaltending. Well, then, you know, I, I'd feel pretty comfortable uh, with the Oilers as a playoff team. And so, so I think they're, they're on that path. They do need to fix the goaltending in, in some way. And I, I would have a hard time depending on it to be Mike Smith. Um, I mean, I think, I think he, uh, he papered over a lot of the Oilers troubles last year. He had this kind of unexpectedly great season. And, and then they get, they kind of got trapped in that they didn't make any changes in goal uh, coming into this year. And then, you know, Mike Smith, cause he's 39 years old or 40 years old that, you know, the, those guys get hurt and it's tough to uh, kind of pin your hopes on, on him, especially when your hopes are like, you know, the expectation here should be like that you're contending for Stanley cups, not hoping to eke into the playoffs and, and to pin that on, on Mike Smith at his age is, you know, that's not, not a great plan for success. And, and so anyway, I, I think the Oilers should be, you know, they should be a playoff team by the end of the year. But I also think that kind of in that process that they're going to have to change their goaltending in some way. Right, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they make a move at the deadline. Uh, Aaron Dell is, uh, was waived by Buffalo. I guess he's available. <laughs> he's available if you need an enforcer. <laughs> 
so yeah, I guess sticking with the Oilers. So now with Kane in the picture, like I said, and by the way, Ryan Nugent Hopkins returned this past week. I feel like no mm-hmm. one's talking about the return of RNH because Kane's uh, taking all the headlines. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've shaken up a lot of the lineup. Like I said, so Yamamoto was on the top line with McDavid and Kane in this game on Saturday. Drysidel with Puliarvi and Warren Fogel. And by the way, Warren Fogel two assists in that game. So if he sticks mm-hmm. with Drysidel and you're in a super deep league, just a name I'll throw out there. And then yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was centering Zach Hyman and Zach Cassian. So the Zach's and Ryan line. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to get your take on Hyman. He seems to be the biggest casualty of all of this, being relegated to essentially like line three power play to deployment. Though I mean, to be fair, like it's line three, but with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, so not the absolute yeah. worst place. And to make things kind of more interesting, like Hyman actually had a really good game on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, he had yeah. three points, like two goals and an assist. Of course, those two goals were on two shots, so obviously not the most sustainable thing. But like at this point, those three points brought him to twenty four points in thirty four games on the year. So it's a fifty eight point pace. Do you think that's like a reasonable clip to expect for the rest of the year, or do you think his numbers to start dropping if he's you know not going to be getting the plum deployment that he had for most of the way that got him to this 58 point pace yeah uh i I think my expectation is that he'll probably stay in that range i mean maybe not quite 58 maybe it drops a little bit um because i guess my thought is that the when you when you spread out your talent uh the way the oilers have with those three lines that that's the way a lot of teams like to do it in the playoffs especially uh right because you you kind of run pairs uh, and, and so it's like, okay, we got a pair of Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and whoever you put on the other wing. Well, it ends up being Zach Cassian right now. Well, we've got Leon Dreisaitl uh, and Paul Uyarvi, whoever goes on the other. Okay, so it's Warren Fogel go, goes on it. But I feel like those guys are very interchangeable, right? Like if anything, if Warren Fogel is not playing well for a couple of games, well, Zach, uh, Zach Hyman can move up the, uh, the lineup right, pretty easily. If, if and, and frankly, if, if Evander Kane is, you know, if, he, if he's – not keeping up with uh, McDavid, well, they, they could very easily make changes. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think you know, part of the lure to get Kane is yes, we're going to give you a chance with McDavid. It's not a, a promise that he gets to stay there, you know, all season, no matter what. Uh, and so, I, I think in, in Hyman's case, he's always going to have some upward mobility in that lineup. That uh, you know, if, if everything is going great and all those lines are scoring for the Oilers, then fine, he stays on the third line and, and that's it. But you know, given what we've seen from kind of that cast of characters on the wings. I think it's pretty reasonable to expect that there will be some changes as as time goes on. Like if Kyler Yamamoto plays great the rest of the season, well, that's, that's fantastic, but boy, uh, that's kind of coming uh, out of nowhere uh, at this point. Like I I think, you know, anytime you you play somebody on on McDavid's wing, you say, okay, well that, that makes the player interesting, but you know, Kyler Yamamoto has been, you know, kind of scuffling along for a while. Uh, And so I, I think some of those guys who are, in good spots, uh, you know, or, or were against Montreal, that that's not necessarily going to prevent Zach Hyman from getting uh, his minutes, right? Like, it, given the the investment the Oilers put into Hyman, right? Like, I, I don't think that they're they're trying to, you know, diminish Zach Hyman in any way. I think this was sort of a let let's try and balance out these lines and see what happens. But if if they run into any issues, I think Zach Hyman is a guy who's you know quite ready to move up if need be. Right, yeah. So that's very good advice there. People shouldn't be like overreacting and panicking yeah. because of these lines. Well, when I saw those lines, I, I, I was going to make some smart ass mark on remark on Twitter uh, and say something like, "Wow, pretty expensive third line uh, left winger there with <laughs> with Zach Hyman." And then he goes out and gets a couple of goals, and then like, "Yeah, it's just better that I didn't even bother." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the thing is, like, probably a lot of people might be thinking, oh, it went so well, why wouldn't they stick with those lines? But again, it was against Montreal. Let's see how they do yes. against a team that's not at the basement of the league. Uh, man, we probably should move on from the Oilers. I do, though, just want to also get your take really quickly yeah, yeah. On, on Evan Bouchard, because he kept his hot run going in that game versus the Hazards with an assist. That brought him to four points in his last four games.
Simmons. Tyson Barry is day to day. He's probably going to return maybe after the All Star break. Uh, like, what do you expect is going to happen here? Like, if people have Tyson Barry in their leagues right now, they have him stashed on IR. Some people have been asking though if they don't have that many IR spots. Like, is he a safe drop, or do you think he takes Bouchard's spot back? And obviously, this is something that you can't predict. But yeah. if you have a hunch about Bouchard and Barry's value for the rest of the way, well, I really like Bouchard. Um, even even when he was not playing much, uh, say last season, because he could generate shots like a lot of them, um, and you know, probably to the point that it, it's more valuable for fantasy than it even is, uh, you know, for for real hockey. Uh, and so, if he ends up, you know, I mean, his ice time has really gone up this year. And if he ends up kind of sticking on power play one, then yes, by all means, I'm I'm kind of really happy to be on Evan Bouchard. But the, to me, I, I think what what um, you know, he has an opportunity with Barry out. Uh, I, I don't think we're in a situation where, uh, you know, Tyson Barry is automatically the guy who comes back to take power play one. Um, you know, that, it, that if Bouchard is uh, playing well and the power play is producing, that maybe he has a chance to, to kind of carve out that role and, and hold off Barry. Uh, but I mean, I think that's really get dependent on production. You know, that, right, yeah. that that if if the power play, you know, stumbles, well, guess what? The, we're going to bring back the veteran guy who's been quarterbacking a power play forever. Like, I, I think that's sort of where it is. But but the opportunities here for Bouchard, you know, while Barry's out to, you know, to make them think about it. And, and you know, that's that's a better situation than he was in before. Yeah, for sure. So you're kind of saying like, at least now Bouchard has the opportunity. Now it's kind of like with the goaltending, right? It was like Koskinen and Skinner, like mm-hmm. whoever played better was going to be the one that was going to get the next game. It's not like anyone is an incumbent at this point. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So moving That's... on from Edmonton now. <laughs> uh, so Ryan Richard Hopkins wasn't the only big star to return from injury last week. I'd like to go to Vegas now to discuss the second fantasy hockey headline of the week. Uh, in my opinion, at least Max Pacioretty's early return from his wrist injury on Thursday. Uh, Pacioretty was reunited with Stone and Stevenson on Thursday versus LA. And then Stevenson went on the COVID program. Protocol, so Nolan Patrick took over as the center of that line. Uh, so far, though, the Pacioretty return has been pretty underwhelming. In his two games, he hasn't put up a point. He's only managed three shots total over the 4-1 loss to Florida and then the 3-2 win over Tampa. I assume it's like just too early to be concerned that Pacioretty isn't the same since the yeah. surgery. I just, I just know that like I'm in a close matchup this week, and I was super excited to bring Pacioretty out of my <laughs> yeah. IR, and I think I would have rather just kept him in IR in hindsight and kept the guy who I dropped because this has been nothing so far. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when it, when it's just a, a couple of games, it's, it's, it's tough, but like before he got hurt, Pacioretty was massively productive uh, this year. Right. I mean, his shots on shots per game is like 4.4. 4. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what surprised me about this. Like uh, so few shots in these two games, but I yeah, yeah. it's just like healing still or something. doesn't fit with the way, the way things were going uh, before that. And now may, maybe some of this is, is that, uh, you know, in the very short term, having Nolan Patrick as your center is probably not a, um, you know, an ideal situation. I mean, we've seen what what they do with Chandler Stevenson, and um, I think you know, that there's kind of credit has kind of gradually gone to Chandler Stevenson. Uh, you know, the, as there was all that talk about uh, trading for Jack Eichel, mm-hmm. you know, people started to kind of look well, look at Jack Eichel and move in there, and he'll play with with Pacioretty and Stone. And that very well, you know, is probably going to happen, but you started to look at it and go, well, Chandler Stevenson scored quite a bit uh, playing with those guys too. Right. And, you know, maybe we had this, uh, you know, the picture of him being a fourth liner in Washington is one thing, but he's, he's sort of proven that he's a legit uh, contributor. Uh, And so, I mean, now some of that is like Pacioretty and Stone can drag, drag production out of a lot of players. Um, But I think, you know, Stevenson has kind of elevated, 
like, a his production, but kind of the expectation because even when uh, Stones missed time or when Patrick missed time, he still put up points. So, um, and so I, I I think yeah, in the short term with Nolan Patrick as the center, that that might be something that for the next you know however long that is, that that might not be my favorite situation for Max Pacioretty. Uh, but if we're looking you know rest of the season whatever, I think you know he he's in a good spot that if he gets Chandler Stevenson back or they put Jack Eichel in there, well, that, that line could be one of the best in hockey. So uh, right, yeah. I, I'd be, and, and given how well uh, Pacioretty was playing earlier, uh, I'd be pretty excited about what he should do the rest of the way. All right. So here's my brilliant idea. I think you'll <laughs> tell me if it's a brilliant idea. What if you have Evander Kane right now? Everyone is losing their minds over Evander Kane. The people who have Pacioretty, like myself, maybe are like, oh, that was underwhelming. You know, that return. <laughs> Should the Evander Kane managers right now be making a trade offer for Max Pacioretty? Well, uh, yes, I think you should. I mean, that's that's worth finding out uh, because I, I trust Pacioretty's production. Now, that, that comes with, you know, Pacioretty is older and has run into injury problems. So, you know, there is some risk here. It's not, it's not right. as though you're, you're getting a hundred percent sure thing, Max Pacioretty for, uh, you know, for super risky Evander Kane. I think, you know, it's, it's a little, uh, a little closer than that. Uh, but given, you know, how well Pacioretty played early in the season, how, you know, how consistent he has been throughout his career, basically, uh, I would feel comfortable, uh, risking that i mean and and really whether you're whether you're willing to uh to deal kane i think probably depends on where you are uh standings wise like if you're uh you know if you're if you're comfortable where you are you know and you don't need to take a risk well then sure max patch probably seems a little bit more uh safe and secure if if you need you know if you need some some variance in the outcome and you need somebody to uh to exceed expectations you know maybe by maybe more than uh, you think is possible, then, you know, Evander Kane with, with Connor McDavid might be the, you know, the risk worth taking. So in, in a vacuum, I prefer Pacioretty, but I think it probably depends on, on your uh, situation. Right. Yeah. But that is a good point that you make that Pacioretty is not without risk himself. He's already yeah. been injured twice this year. Who knows what could go wrong next? Uh, and while we're here, I want to get your thoughts on a couple more cold streaks here in Vegas. So first of all, Jonathan Marcheseau had a slow start to the year, but starting on October 27th, I just pick, arbitrarily picked that date, but he's been <laughs> from that date. He was money. He had 29 points over a stretch of 30 games. But this past week has seen him fall back to that beginning of season form. He's pointless in his last four games with only 10 shots in that span, which is way below the 3.4 shots per game. I don't know if it's just been a bad week. Maybe Maybe that's yeah. all it is. No one's shooting on Vegas all of a sudden. Uh, but Marcia So has been lining up with his best buds, Carlson and Smith lately, as well as on the second power play with those guys, along with Petrangelo and Haig. Uh, is this just the kind of thing where Marcia So like kind of has to be a 60 to 65-ish point player and the universe will like never let him be be anything more? Like maybe he sold his soul to have that superstar caliber first season with Vegas. And then after that, it's like, no, no, if you're ever doing well, you have to have a cold streak <laughs> to get back to the 60-ish point pace. Like, or do you think it's just like a blip and now would be a great time to like, you know, grab marsh so if he was dropped or like try to buy low well yeah like the when they had that uh that amazing first season in vegas uh he had 75 points his on ice shooting percentage is like 10.6 percent which high like that well yeah wasn't william carlson just like scoring yeah. on every i mean shot he had took? william carlson scoring 43 goals that year so there that's kind of something that helps juice your numbers right and uh now this year march on a shooting percentage six point eight percent, which is actually quite low, right? And so, you know, so the real Jonathan Marchessault probably falls somewhere uh, in between there, you know, around nine percent maybe. And 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 so, if if I'm you know looking at, at Marchessault, I probably expect that that, that percentage goes up uh, in the second half of the season. Now, it's not guaranteed to go up, but 
you know, playing the probabilities, um, he's probably due to get uh, a few more assists uh, than he has so far. And so, I mean, I, I, I think the 75 is probably that, that, that could very well end up being his high watermark for his career. But uh, you know, the, if he ends up being a guy who scores 60 to 65 points, that's, that's still a, a pretty valuable player, especially when you, he's effectively a second line winger um, given that they have Max Pacioretty on the first line left wing there. So um, I, I think, you know, that, that might be just where he settles in there with, with Vegas, but that's still a pretty valuable player because he, he generates a bunch of shots. Uh, there've been times his, his hit rate isn't great this year, but it has in, in previous years, he's kind of pushed up close to a hundred hits. So um, there've been times where, where, you know, his, his fantasy value is a little bit higher than it is now, but uh, if you could buy low on him in a trade, I'd, I'd take a look at it because that, because of that on ice shooting percentage. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great. Then if he's going to get in on more of those shots, more than we're going to go in the net. Uh, <laughs> and then I guess uh, we had another question from patron Joel wanted me to ask you about one of Marchessault's second power play companions in Alex Petrangelo, who's also been pointless over his last handful of games. Uh, much like Marchessault, Petrangelo started the season cold, then went on a great run. He had 26 points in 31 games, uh, but now he's on a recent five game pointless drought. Uh, so Joel mentioned that he's noticed that Theodore seems to be taking the majority of the top power play time. Maybe Petrangelo is transitioning into more of a defensive role like should we be worried that the big offensive numbers from Petrangelo from this uh long stretch earlier on was like not realistic and in the second half it's going to be more the Theodore show well I mean it probably does depend on how how they choose to deploy their power play but I mean to me it always made more sense for Shea Theodore to be their uh top power play defenseman I I think maybe maybe you know, when you when you sign Alex Petrangelo to this massive free agent deal, that there may have been some expectation that okay, look, we're paying him this much money. Yes, he's going to quarterback our uh, our power play, uh, but I think the Vegas power play has you know consistently been better uh, when Theodore's the one um, running it, and and you know not by leaps and bounds better and. But I think if, if you were to kind of objectively look at uh, who who generates better results back there, I think it's Theodore. And so, um, you know, my uh, expectation would be that Theodore should run uh, their first power play unit. You know, and you know, as fantasy managers, we're sort of we're at the mercy of coaches sometimes on these dis- well, not sometimes, always uh, with these decisions. Is that you know you can sit there and think, well, Shea Theodore should be the guy, but if coaching staff continues to roll out Alex Petrangelo, what do you do about it? Nothing. You 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 kind of have to deal with it until until they come around. Uh, and now. You know, I don't think Petrangelo is, you know, all his offense is suddenly going to go away. And, and, uh, but uh, if, you know, if you're asking me who, who should run the, uh, the Vegas power play, it probably should be Theodore. And so I, I, I would probably be a little bit more optimistic about Theodore uh, moving forward and a little bit uh, pessimistic, I guess, about Petrangelo. Right, that makes sense. I guess the thing is, it used to be that Vegas would run more like two even power plays. So yeah. even if Theodore was on like the quote unquote top power play, Petrangelo would still get like, you know, 45% of the time or however it would work out. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe once everyone's healthy, when Eichel comes back, they definitely have the star power to run two even power plays if they want to do that. But again, we're kind of at the mercy of the coaches to see what they're going to do. Uh, I would definitely preach for people to maybe try to get Petrangelo if he's dropped. Like, I mean, well, the nice thing with him is he gets those peripherals, right? So yep. even if he doesn't score, he'll give you those peripherals and you know he was slow before and, and he heated up he obviously has those offensive capabilities well, and, and, and you know he's always going to get minutes right like yeah the, <laughs> it's not like he's suddenly going to be playing 18 minutes now. like he's always going to be you know 24 minutes a, a game and any defenseman uh, who can handle the puck a little bit and plays that that plays that much has a chance to put up some some numbers for you 
Mm-hmm. Also, I think it's just telling that like I have like three kind of cold street guys here on Vegas. <laughs> that probably is just to tell that it's been a weird week, and like yeah. maybe now's a good time to take advantage of people who are panicking and now going to yeah. the All Star break. It's going to seem Fair. like it's been forever. But, like, oh, when's the last time Alex Petrangelo got a point? It's been like a month, uh, so it might be a good time to maybe like you know get people who are panicking. All right, so for my third fantasy hockey headline of the week, I wanted to go to uh, Vegas's recent famous trade partner in Buffalo. Uh, that was the deal for Jack Eichel, of course. And in Buffalo, though, the news I wanted to give was first of all that. For a while, it was looking like they might not have any goalies. All six of their goalies were either injured or suspended. But... Craig Anderson uh, all of a sudden emerged from the rubble to return from his upper body injury. And he not only returned, he shone in his uh, return. Uh, he stood on his head, stopping 27 of 28 in the 3-1 win over the Coyotes on Saturday. The Sabres are playing again today. And another player has returned in Dustin Tokarski. Uh, we're only uh, in the first period right now. He's already let in a goal to Gabriel Landeskog, which is especially <laughs> frustrating to me because my opponent in the, in the cupful, John, has Landeskog. And it's been bothering me. Scott, I have Rantanen and John has Landeskog. Why is it that he's getting so many more points than me? I have the player that I spent more on in the auction draft. You you should have the advantage there, you would think. Yes. Infuriating. <laughs> that, that, that is one of the most lopsided games in NA, in the NHL season right now. That, <laughs> that Buffalo depleted lineup playing the second game in as many nights uh, going against Colorado, which has kind of been a juggernaut. And, and so the, yeah, that's true. it's, it's, it's as, as lopsided as any game I think I've seen this year. So maybe we should be impressed with Buffalo that with uh, halfway through the first, it's only one nothing Colorado. Mm-hmm. Way, way to go. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, speaking of Craig Anderson, uh, that game on Saturday was the seventh start of the season. And that win brings him to a 5-2 and two record and a 9.27 save percentage on the year. So small sample size, yes, but, you know, growing slowly and like, now coming back from injury to come back right away and have a good game. And like, sure, some people are on the COVID protocol at the moment, but Anderson's is returning to a Sabres team that is maybe, in my opinion, tell me if you disagree it seems to be like one of the deepest sabers teams we've seen in in a while now it's making me start to wonder if maybe like having their goalie isn't as bleak a prospect as it may sound like i'm looking at the players you know they have that top top line of thompson tuck and skinner has been buzzing lately casey middlestat just returned uh, you know cousins like uh you know is a, a solid piece there kyle mm-hmm. poso has been having this resurgent season peyton krebs who also came back with tuck in that trade he's coming off a week where he had two multi-point games out of three going into today uh, including one goal and one assist versus Arizona yesterday so obviously the D that's the problem right the D is filled with people that basically no one has heard of like good luck the listeners uh, quiz yourselves to try to name six defensemen on the Sabres especially on Saturday when Darlene wasn't there Uh, but anyway that's what Craig Anderson is for you don't need defense when you have Craig Anderson right so so what do you think is this like a potential high value goalie that no one knows about yet or have has my whole crazy setup here just been an opportunity for you to drop an epic hammer on all this misguided uh, Buffalo enthusiasm well, uh, no, no epic hammer drop uh, because I, I sort of have I have low key optimism here about the Sabers and, and for the reasons you're stating, right? Like I, I'm looking at, at that forward group and uh, I'm I'm sitting here. I mean, the Sabers have been just downright terrible uh, for the past few years, and, and you're looking at that forward group and kind of go, huh? There's something there that uh, you know, and they've got prospects like Jack Quinn. You know, he's hurt right now, but. Uh, came up and, and he was having a, a good start in the American Hockey League and J.J. Paterka. Uh, and so you can kind of envision if you take the the core of the forwards that we just talked about, you add Quinn and Paterka, like by next season, the Buffalo Sabres could have a, a, a competent forward group. Now, yes, you probably still want to solidify the defense and, you know, hope, hope that you have a better answer in goal than what they went with this season. I mean, maybe uh, the Devon Levy uh, gets a, a, a shot there, but 
but it like kind of long-term, I, I can, you know, see a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, for the Sabres. Uh, and now, you know, maybe that's into the future, but I, I think kind of for the second half of this year, it would be, it would be reasonable to to think that the Buffalo Sabres aren't just going to, um, you know, roll over and, and get crushed. Like, I, I think, you know, given how much of that has been going on there that, you know, they're going to be inclined that, that you've got a bunch of these young pieces in place. Let's try and teach them how to be competitive and to win and, and, you know, play it hard down the stretch basically. Um, and, and so if, if Craig Anderson can stay healthy behind that, he might have some value now, you know, he's a 40 year old who's played, what is he? Has he started nine games in the last two years? Like not a lot. Right. And, and so like, he's had a really good career, uh, but I, if I'm picking him up for fantasy purposes, I'm not, uh, I'm not expecting that Craig Anderson is definitely going to stay healthy and play a starter's role to the rest of the way, because, you know, that's, that's just not where he is in his career at this point. And, um, you know, if, if you need help in, uh, on the waiver wire for goaltending, Craig Anderson still might be worth picking up, um, because the opportunity can be there as long as he stays healthy, you know, there's a chance that they'll be, they'll be okay. Uh, but I think, you know, even if you pick up Anderson, you're going to, you're going to want to pick your spots um, with, with when you play him, right? Like <laughs> if he was going tonight in Colorado, uh, I'd be sitting out Craig Anderson. To, that, that That's a, that's a tough situation. And so, you know, there'll probably be some games like that for the Sabres, but uh, you know, I, I think the fact that Craig Anderson is, is even playing in a, in a regular role this year, uh, given, you know, last year he played like four games for Washington or something. And uh, the fact that, he's i guess the best option that the sabers have in goal like he, even if you if you took all the players who have who are on covid protocols and injured and all that and you put them all out there craig anderson i think would be their first choice to uh, to play yeah maybe like uh anderson and ukapeka lukanen and, and ukapeka lukanen would, would you know that that and i suppose when lukanen is healthy then he's he's the one because he's their future right and 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 if you're building with all these young players you may as well kind of get get the young goaltender into it but so in any case i I would say sure by all means add craig anderson but i don't think that he's necessarily a a guy you can count on Uh, for sure yeah you know i like i wouldn't be trading away goaltenders so that i could add craig anderson basically yeah maybe he's the kind of guy that like if he's available and then he's announced for the next game stream him in and if he has another good game maybe hold on don't like drop him for the next streaming goal even yeah, hold yeah. until something falls apart yeah and you're like you're saying I, you're giving me lots of reason for optimism so when you're, people in dynasty leagues i think ukapeka lukanen oh. if he's available maybe now would be a great time to grab him while he's injured yeah. uh, and then see what happens yeah and, and i and look i think i think buffalo you know as a side note here i i think buffalo is is doing some really smart things i mean i i happen to know some of the guys that they've they've hired to be in their analytics team and they're really smart people Oh, nice. uh, and so the the fact that they have this young core of talent there kind of already, uh, I, I would expect them to kind of ma- make some smart moves in the offseason so that they're a more competitive team next year. Yeah, I'll bet already a lot of people who maybe thought that they didn't get a good return on the Eichel trade, like after seeing what Alex Tuck has been doing, are already mm-hmm. starting to change their mind a little bit. And Peyton Krebs, right? They're both doing really yeah. well. That's not even the pick. Uh, okay, so I guess actually one question more about the Sabres and like going back to the present here. If you could have one Sabres forward on your fantasy route. Oh, by the way, side question. You you play fantasy, I assume, right? Oh, yeah. I, I remember you used to be in a league with Brian, uh, Brian Cobb, my co-host, like back in the day. Uh, how, how are you doing in fantasy th- this year? And, like, how many leagues are you in? <laughs> Just to get a sense of what you're up I'm to. I, I'm not in as many. I think I'm in three leagues this year. Um, oh, okay. I mean, I, and I uh, one that I, you know, I kind of consider my main league. It's, a, it's an experts league that 
we've been in for for quite a while. Um, what am I in? I think I'm in fourth out of twelve right now in that league. Nice. I, I've got a good goaltending tandem. I've got Shostorkin and Campbell, so oh, that, that that has uh, worked worked out well for me. But I, I, I mean, it, it's it, it's probably the the complaints I have about about my team are probably not uh, all that original. That you have so many guys who miss time, and it's just the uh, you know when, when I I look at the amount of games missed uh, for my roster, some, sometimes it can be just. Uh, you know, aggravating, but nevertheless, I, I'm, I, I'm still competitive at the midway point. So we'll, we'll see if I can close the gap in the second half, but uh, anyway, so who do I want off the Buffalo Sabres of, of all their players? All right. No, no. So I want to make it a little more, a little more difficult on you. Let's okay. say the top line isn't available. You oh, can't have Tuck available. Thompson or Skinner, but everyone else, and you can't have Darlene and you can't have Craig Anderson. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> yeah. a forward that's right. not on the top line, who, who would your pick be for the rest of the season? You know what? I think I'm going to say Casey Middlestat. And, oh, and I mean, he's done nothing this year, but he was hurt. He's been hurt for the whole time. Could be the only reason I'm taking him is because coming into the year, I kind of had him as a, you know, a deep sleeper type because he finished last year pretty strong. Uh, and, and that was a real, a real turning point, I thought, for him because, you know, his, his early years with the, the Sabres were, you know, fairly awful uh, for a guy who was such a high pick. And, and, you know, he became a real, a real test case for, uh, the 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 eye test where scouts were telling you how incredibly talented Casey Middlestat was, uh, and then people who who would look at uh, his numbers and his NHL equivalencies at, at uh, the University of Minnesota, and you're like, eh, you know, I, I'm not sure uh, that he's going to have this uh, instant impact, and he did, right? And it's taken some time, uh, but it looked like last year down the stretch when he was getting, uh, you know, a legitimate opportunity to play that you know, there might be something there that he could be a, a, a good part of the supporting cast. And and so then the fact that he got hurt early this season kind of, you know, put that on pause. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, the Sabres are, they're in a position where they're motivated to take some of these young guys and give them reps and, uh, and give them an opportunity. And so I'm, you know, I think Middlestad will fit into that uh, group of guys who's going to get a, a shot to play down the stretch. Interesting. Yeah, I guess the lines today aren't really going to be too useful for us because Tage Thompson ended up not dressing. I'm seeing that Middlestat has been playing with Tuck and Peyton Krebs. And then we've had Ocposo with... Uh, anyway, yeah, I guess Krebs and Ocposo would have been two other options. But yeah, Middlestat's yeah. definitely an interesting option and probably available to everyone listening. So there mm-hmm. you go. It's a deep cut there from Scott Cullen. If you're saying <laughs> it, you probably want to at least give him a try. Uh, so I've still got, like I said, some hot streaks and then some questions actually from the patrons of Keeping Carlson. There's a lot coming. We're going to get to it in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. This is Elon Dubrowski with Scott freaking Cullen. And I thought for the next segment of the show, I'm going to go through the top five surprising hot streaks to me going on right now. And I'm going to ask you, are these guys for real? Okay, so the number one uh, WTF hot streak for me is over in Florida. I got to ask you about Mason Marchment. He has caught fire this past week. He's put up two goals and one assist in the 5-3 win over Winnipeg on Tuesday. He scored again in the 4-1 win over Vegas on Thursday, then popped another goal into Napoli on Saturday in the 5-4 win over the Sharks. Man, by the way, side note, Florida is a, a very good team. They're, they're winning <laughs> all these games. Uh, but yeah, so that's six points in these last three games for Mason Marchment. That brings him to 17 points in 20 games on the season. So it's not only just this run. He's been having a really good year. And of course, this is even more impressive because he's doing all this from the third line and essentially no power play time at all on the first or second unit. Though, again, kind of like when we were talking about uh, Zach Hyman, like this isn't a regular third line. Like he's been playing with Sam Reinhardt and Anton Lundell. So both fantastic players that would probably be top sixers on most other teams. But again, Florida is just amazing. I'm I'm wearing a hat right now, actually. Uh, So, but yeah, Mason Marchment, only 2% rostered on Yahoo. Is this for real? 
And also, do you, do you know who Mason... Did you even make a projection for Mason Marchment going into the season? That's a good question. Uh, boy, I don't, I don't remember if I did. I should, I should have looked up... Uh, I to, could check that while you, while you answer uh, about him. To, to see. Uh, so, first off, I don't think he's going to continue at a 17 points in 20 games kind of pace. But um, there, is, there is some you know, legit appeal uh, to Mason Marchment. Uh, he's, a, you know, in his early time with Florida... Uh, you know, the Leafs traded him uh, to Florida. Uh, they got uh, Dennis Mulgan, uh, who who never, I don't think he ever played for the Leafs, um, you know, stayed in, in uh, Europe. And, and that's, you know, <laughs> for a Toronto team that every once in a while likes to complain about, you know, we don't have this, you know, big bruiser to play on, uh, play on their lower lines. Well, Mason Marchman has, you know, he's been that guy. He's a big physical winger and so when he went to florida you play the fourth line and he would bang bodies and every once in a while you know there's an injury or something he'd, he'd get moved up i mean i remember a couple of years ago there was like uh the there was a stretch where uh so i guess it would have been last season it was carter verhage and barkov and mason marchman uh because you know there was an injury on the on the right wing and okay so marchman gets an opportunity you know he's there for a few games and then and then shuffles back down and i always thought that when when you're setting up your fourth line as as an NHL team, you want to have these players who have that upward mobility. That you know maybe maybe they're not set to you know make the jump from fourth line to first line as a as a full timer. But if you need somebody to do it for a few weeks, that that they're capable. And, and you know the fact that they would give Marchment that opportunity kind of you know made made me think that they have they have higher hopes for him than just a a fourth line grinder. Uh, and you know the fact that they can put him in a spot on the third line where he's, he's got good skilled line mates. Uh, I think you know there, this is something that he can kind of build on uh, for you know moving forward and and for the rest of this season. But at the, having said all that, I don't know that I expect you know 17 points in 20 games. You're you know you're looking at about almost a 70 point pace in an NHL season. And I don't think uh, that's where he he's you know realistically going to end up. But you know is is it worth Taking him, say you're in a deeper league and uh, and you want a guy who who might be able to get you some points, but also will bang bodies and give you some hits. He can do that. He's got 13 hits in those in those th- past three games. So, you know, you add that to the the offense, and there's a little something there. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So I like I said, I, I don't remember if I uh, if I did a projection for him, but if I did, I'm sure it wasn't very optimistic. Uh, no. So uh, maybe it's probably better this way. You didn't do a uh, projection yeah. for him, so then you don't have to say that you were wrong about him. Yeah. Uh, you had one here. I'm seeing the lowest ranked Panther that you projected is a Nola Chari. You're probably right. You ranked, you projected 22 points in 67 games. That's, been keeping... that, that's rough that I put Nola Chari ahead of Mason Marshman. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess two ways to look at it, right? But it's hard. Yeah. That, that's why these are hard uh, hot streaks to project. And I don't think anyone out there was projecting that Mason Marshman was going no, to do this. I didn't, to I didn't see that a lot. That's for sure. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting streak, and like you say, like it's not the kind of thing you can expect, like consistent offense. But if you need a streamer in a game, the good thing about taking someone like him is like Florida scores so many goals. Oh. So if they're gonna have a six goal game, he might be able to just give you an assist. You know, we're we're expecting not we're not expecting like Sam Reinhart to not do anything at even strength. And so if he's playing with Reinhart, then exactly. there's always that chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, uh, I've got a pair of guys. I'm gonna uh, combine them that Ben and Lewis talked about on the latest Short Shifts podcast. Uh, they're Patrick Kane's latest and greatest line one and power play one line. Mates in Dylan Strom and Brandon Hagel. So Strom had three goals and an assist versus Detroit in the 8 5 win on Wednesday and then followed that up with two assists in the 6 4 loss to the Avs on Friday. Uh, Hagel had a goal and an assist and four shots in the Detroit game, then two goals on six shots in the Colorado game. Uh, I won't go over Patrick Kane's numbers, but they, 
were fantastic and nice for anyone. I actually have Patrick Kane in one league. I traded for him, and I, I kind of don't even want to tell you the price. I, 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 I'm not really happy with the trade right now, but I'm happy now that he, he had a big week. Uh, but yeah, so do you think these guys, Stroman Hagel, will be able to hold on to these roles for a while? Or is this like an Edmonton situation where we shouldn't be paying attention to the line combos because it could change like any second? Because if, if they do stick with Patrick Kane on the you know top line and the top power play, it's hard to imagine that they can't continue to contribute and provide value. Yeah. And I think that's that's the case, basically, is that, look, as long as they play with Patrick Kane, sure, there there's probably some numbers uh, will follow. Thing is, I mean, knowing how little the Blackhawks seem to think of Dylan Strom, you know, he's kind of been on the, the trade block there all year. Uh, and now I've seen, uh, you know, pieces being written recently about how, no, you can't trade Dylan Strom. We finally, we're finally getting uh, this production out of him. Uh, but, you know, I think there's... the. Uh, if I had to, you know, make a wager uh, whether Dylan Strom finishes the year with the Blackhawks, I'm not sure that I would, you know, I'm not sure I would feel really comfortable that he's definitely there for the rest of the year. He might be, but uh, I think there's, you know, th- there's still some risk that even with this hot streak, he, he may not be kind of the long term uh, plan there. Now, having having said that, I think he has pretty decent upside uh, as a scorer um, that uh, that might might give him a little bit more value than Hagel, um, and and so. You know, in the if you're looking for grabbing guys off waivers, sure, you take Dylan Strome as long as he's playing with Patrick Kane and, and they move him down the lineup, then you drop him. That's kind of uh, about how, how that would go, I think. And, and in the case of Hagel, I, I don't know if he's going to score enough to really, um, you know, have, have huge appeal, uh, but it kind of it'd be something that I'd keep an eye on, uh, for him. Like, I, I think this is. You know, he he's really carved out a pretty nice NHL career here early early on, uh, establishing that he's uh, you know a legit kind of top nine forward. Uh, I don't know that I I feel comfortable with Brandon Hagel as a first line winger. Uh, sure. You know, as we're talking about, you know, so, sometimes guys are getting opportunities where where they don't necessarily fit with the rest of the line, and I'm, I'm not sure Hagel is is a guy who I think is a legit top liner, but. Um, you know, while, while he's get, given that opportunity, maybe you stream him in and, and see how it goes. Yeah, well, hey, I, I mean, people who listen know I'm like a sucker for shots on goal. So I see those mm-hmm. like 10 shots in Hagel's last couple of games. And yeah. it's like, okay, that combined with the deployment, definitely worth a shot. But yeah, of course, the big question, like you said, is like, how long will, will this last? And obviously, things have changed around so much in Chicago. But hey, yeah. I, it's interesting because uh, Jonathan Taves wasn't on that top power play in the last game. So maybe it's just them finally deciding that they want to try some different. I don't think he pl- I don't think Taves played last game. Oh, it's because he so, wasn't playing. So I think okay. that might have been that might have been the. Uh, um you know, the reason that they just went, okay, fine, Dylan Strom, you're playing. Uh, All right, fair. Uh, do you have any hopes for uh, Jonathan Taves turnaround? Or is that just something I lost? I have him on one point? of my teams. So there, there's, oh, there's wow. the, the, the hope of, all right, I, I, you know, I took a flyer on him relatively late. And, uh, and you know, I, I guess we're seeing a little bit more out of him, but, you know, not not enough to be terribly excited about it. Yeah, fair. Uh, okay, so I want to go to Minnesota next. So these are like higher qual- caliber guys. I don't want to do only like 2% rostered yeah, <laughs> in yeah. fantasy here. Uh, so these are like surprising hot streaks just because, uh, you know, better than I was expecting. Uh, so and I'm talking about this line, like obviously the first line of Zuccarello and Kaprizov, like they continue to roll. Like at this point, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, but the second line, I guess if you want to call it that, or maybe this is the third line, but the line with Kevin Fiala and Matt Boldy has like been huge. It's been amazing ever since Boldy entered the picture. Like Fiala going into today, Minnesota's playing 
right now against the Islanders. But going into today, Fiala was on a 10-game point streak, uh, 13 points over that span. And that's, like, not even... He was bumped from the top power play. People yeah. who saw Boldy come in would have been like, oh, no, like... Fiala's already having this like cold streak. Now he's bumped from the top power play. I think I'm ready to be over this guy. And I'm seeing right now, Boldy scored a second period goal assisted by Victor Rask and Kevin Fiala. So there you go. The the hot streak goes to 11 games for Kevin Fiala. Uh, then looking at Boldy, he had seven points in eight games going into today. He's got a goal and assist today. So we're talking point per game. So nine points <laughs> in nine games now. Fantastic. And this game's not even over yet. Who even yeah, knows yeah. what he's going to do? So Nine, nine uh, points in eight and two-thirds games or eight and a third. <laughs> yeah, he's above a point per game at this exact moment in time. Uh, and like I said, he's on the top power play. He's clearly yeah. clicking with Fiala on this line. So I guess starting with Boldy, am I correct to say that? Let me tell me if this is like too spicy of a thing to say. But like, seems to me like he has similar fantasy value to guys like Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegras at this point. Like, And there's a lot of people probably who are regretting not having jumped on those two rookies like earlier in the season when they had the chance like oh i can't believe i could have had lucas mm-hmm. raymond i didn't grab him it's like right now uh matt boldy at least at the time that i prepared the show earlier today only seven percent rostered on yahoo yeah. so that means if you're listening you have a chance to get basically in my opinion lucas raymond or trevor zegras type in boldy are, are you with me on that that it's like we're yes. talking the same caliber of guy <laughs> yes i i i'm stunned that he's available in as many leagues as he is uh when when he got called up uh initially i think he came up with marco rossi uh, at the same time uh, and yeah. I, I wrote something on McKean's about it because uh, one of the things about Boldy is when he once he he turned pro and he played in the American Hockey League uh, last season uh, and and the the production was there last year like point production was there uh, generating a bunch of shots and, and I think coming into this season I was relatively high on, on Boldy and then I, he broke his ankle or something uh, just before the season started and, and so you know this guy who I would have you know put him among the 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 higher scoring rookies like Raymond and uh and Zegers. In fact I, I I'm sure I expected Zegers to I'm I'm pretty sure he was my choice to be the highest scoring rookie this year. Uh I I didn't have Raymond anywhere close to that. Uh but but Boldy was one of my choices to be a a, a relatively uh high score among rookies. Uh and so the fact that he broke his ankle I was like oh well that you know opportunity missed. Uh but the fact that He's he's come up to the, the, the National Hockey League and basically hasn't missed a beat. Like when he went to the American Hockey League after breaking his ankle, was scoring a point a game there. Comes up to the NHL, is scoring as we say, you know, a point a game ish uh, at this point, and he generates shots. And like I'm I'm you know very very bullish, I guess, on, on Matt Boldy. So uh, it stuns me that he's available in as many leagues as he is. Uh, and so yeah, any anybody who's out there and you're kind of looking for someone on the waiver wire uh grabbing somebody who has you know has been this productive right off the start of his nhl career is uh he's worth a look yeah sounds like a no-brainer so let's even call this a pause the pod moment anyone who's listening like stop listening yeah, yeah, yeah. get boldy then come back and continue on with the show it, you're right it is crazy i actually grabbed him uh in a league just this morning and uh i'm very happy i did and i'm having yeah, yeah. a game right now so I, I hope this will continue <laughs> so uh, it sounds like you think it will as well uh and then Oh, here's actually an interesting question in the chat here. Kevin C is asking, what do you think long-term for the, those people in the Dynasty Leagues? Because I remember when you were talking about how like Boldy and Rossi both got called up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that moment, everyone was like losing their minds over Rossi. Like the first line combinations that got yeah. published had Rossi on the top power play, not Boldy. And I think everyone was like, you know, dropping whoever they needed to to grab Rossi. And yeah. Boldy sort of was like low-key under the radar. Now Rossi's like not with the team and, and Boldy's doing so well. Uh, so right now, obviously for this year, no question that you want Boldy because he's the one actually playing. Yes. Uh, but like, let's say if you're in a Dynasty League, 
who who do you expect to be the more productive guy long term? I think Rossi still has a chance to be uh, more productive. Now, you know, if he ends up being slightly more productive as a center, Boldy giving you that production as a left winger probably has still more fantasy appeal. Um, but but I like I remember looking it up. At, you know, as they first got called up, one of the things that impressed me too is that Rossi. Uh, was generating uh, a bunch of shots. He was about three shots per game uh, in the American Hockey League and scoring better than a point per game uh, at the time. Uh, and so uh, I, ha- I haven't checked and see- seen what Rossi has done since he got sent back down. Uh, but you know, I-, I would expect uh, that he's still a-, a kind of a big part of the long-term plans uh, for the Wild. I mean, given the way they- they've sort of hamstrung themselves on the salary cap uh, for the next few years, uh, they're going to need guys on entry-level deals who can come in and play. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's a pretty good chance that Rossi, uh, you know, wh- whether he, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets still a chance to play this year, but at the very least by next year, I would expect him to be a, um, uh, a, a very central part of uh, their offense. And, you know, if, if he's maybe their second line center or something, I think that's um, a possibility, but um, I guess, Part part of the challenges with with the wild is is you have to you know that that they're they're not prepared to just give up on Victor Rask I guess you know that uh, well they you know, they waived him at one point they did and, and at that point I kind of thought oh well this is the opportunity but then you know he he didn't go away uh, <laughs> and, and so they uh, you know they they kind of continue along with him but I you know I think you know we're going to get to a point where where Marco Rossi is going to play and and is going to be. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know how high his ceiling is, uh, but, you know, given how much he produced in, in the Ontario Hockey League, given how much he's produced uh, in the American Hockey League, I would have to expect that he, he's going to get a chance to be a, you know, a scoring center in the, in the NHL when he gets here. So, um, but, you know, if I have to pick between the two of them, I, I still might be leaning towards Boldy uh, because if you get that value as a, as a left winger, that, that tends to, you know, hold a little bit more, oh, uh, I see. a little bit more positional value in terms of fantasy, if, depending on your leagues, right? I mean, some leagues just count them all as forwards, and in which case, um, you know, you might you might like Rossi, but if you if you actually divide between centers and wingers, um, you know, I think I think Boldy's value on the wing might be a little bit more. Also, like call me like a dynasty league luddite or something, but I, you know, to me, there's also some value. In just like like Boldy's already proving that he can mm-hmm. do this, so it's like, well, what if like what if one day Marco Rossi could be point per game? Like it's like Boldy's <laughs> yeah. doing it already, so it's like might yeah. as well take the guy who's who's doing it. That's the way I see it. But that's obviously simplifies things quite a bit. Uh, it's funny that you you mentioned how Victor Rask like was you know sent down, but then now they they can't get rid of him. Now now he's back. Remind me also of Matt Murray over in Ottawa, mm-hmm. who I wanted to ask you about later. I'll just bring him up now since since he came to my mind. A Shams actually one of our pages wanted me to ask you about Matt Murray. Like he's not looking too bad since coming back from the minors, right? Like all of a sudden, like he was looking terrible. He was injured all the time. Uh, he got sent down. Uh, he waved. Like no one claimed him, of course, because he's got this crazy contract. But since he's come back, so he shut out the Sabers, stopping thirty-two on Tuesday. Only two goals against on twenty-nine shots in the three-two shootout loss to Carolina on Thursday. And to be fair, actually, Antoine Forsberg played on Saturday and he had himself a nice game. A two in mm-hmm. the in another two-one loss. So uh, are the Sens like all of a sudden just like a good defensive team now and like like that's why their goalies are doing well or is there a chance that matt murray 
is good again. Like he's such an enigma, right? Because he obviously yeah. had this amazing start to his career, and he's just been so terrible recently. Uh, but every once in a while, I feel like he gives us this taste of like a couple good games in a row. And like I'm so tempted to like buy in, but then I just remember how like the last times I bought in, <laughs> then like I add him, I stream him in, and then like he like a six goals against game, and then he goes on the IR right afterwards. Like, what's your prediction for Matt Murray? Is, is there any chance that he can the sends like will salvage this contract with him, and he'll actually be a decent goalie? Well, they, they won't salvage the contract. Well, that, yeah, that okay, was, that was too high to ask. That, 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 that's a high bar, yeah. That was uh, that was a mistake the moment it was signed. Uh, but again, this is you know if if you're looking on the waiver wire for goaltending help, and you know he, he might be somebody that you could kind of you roll the dice and, and say, okay, I'll, I'll take a shot here with Matt Murray. Now, the pro- part of the problem is, uh, and this I guess is a, the same deal with you know Craig Anderson, is that you know the team in front of him is not great, you know. There, there's there's some positive things there in Ottawa, but you know it's it's not as though they're you know some lockdown defensive team that's going to make their goalie look good. And so, you know, any any time uh, that Murray starts, you know, you run the risk of okay, well maybe he plays a good game, or maybe it is a game where he gives up six goals and and you know really sewers you. So, you know, my I, I'm basically I'm pretty cautious on Matt Murray at this point. Um, I guess kind of his, his last couple years in, in Pittsburgh and, and the way it started in Ottawa has sort of soured me on him altogether. Now he's still of an age that he could get this back. You know, that I don't, I don't necessarily think that, you know, he has to be, you know, no, no longer a viable NHL goaltender. I think, you know, there, there's a, a path here to, to that getting better, uh, but I'm not sure I, you know, have huge hopes for him to, you know, help your fantasy team down the stretch this year. You know, maybe, maybe uh, you add him and, and stream him in, in very specific spots, but that's about as far as I can go with Matt Murray at the moment. Right. Okay. Shams is saying in the chat that he just likes a goalie that's going to get a lot of games, but I mean, that's even a question, right? Like Anton Forsberg is doing pretty well himself. Like, do you think like, as long as Murray stays healthy, he's at least at the very least like, the starter or is that not even like such? A well, thing? here's the thing is that, is that when you've committed that much money to him, right. he should be. Right. Is that, you know, that that kind of gives you a, a leg up, uh, I think. And uh, like, I think For- Forsberg got an expiring deal. It wouldn't surprise me if if the senators you know, consider finding, uh, you know, a taker for him at the, t- at the deadline. Well, you got Oilers. Yeah. Well, you got a bunch of teams who could use some kind of goaltending insurance. And, you know, it's not not as though he's a huge difference maker or that he's going to he's also not going to cost you a ton uh, to get. But. You know, Matt Murray's not going anywhere. He's he's either not or Belleville, it seems. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I I think he's he's probably due to get uh, a pretty decent amount of starts down the stretch. Uh, and and if quantity of starts for your goaltender is is important, then maybe that uh, maybe that's enough to to give him some fantasy appeal. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'd, I'd be cautious. Okay, yeah, definitely fair. Uh, and I guess let's stick in Ottawa. So I wanted to get to another one of these hot streaks. Then I want to get your take on back to the very low percent rostered players. Uh, I got to ask you about Tyler Ennis because with Drake Batherson out, Ennis has been lining up with Kachuk and Stutzla at both even strength and on the power play in the last game. Yeah. And Ennis is looking like his early 2010 Sabres self <laughs> lately, or, or maybe even better. Like he's taken full advantage of this newly acquired yep. deployment. He has five points in his last four games, along with 19 shots 
over these last four games. Uh, before that, though, he was doing nothing. <laughs> and then I remember yeah. at the beginning of the year, he had a couple big games and then totally disappeared. So is this like a, you know, a situation like you're talking about with the Oilers or like I think I brought up with Chicago, like the lines are going to change. Like, they're, like, you know, don't rely on Tyler Ennis to stick with Kachuk for like a long-term stretch. Or do you think this might be the kind of thing with Batherson out that this could be cemented and Ennis could be more than just like a flavor of the week? Well, before Josh Norris got hurt, I was actually really liking Stutzla and Alex Formanton uh, right. playing together, right? And, and so Formanton's another guy who's not not rostered in a lot of places, who's who's been more productive lately. Uh, but you know, with Nor- with Norris out and Batherson out, uh, it's like Stutzla and Ennis are, are getting that shot with the Chuck. And really, again, this is you know when you're getting that opportunity to play on the first line. Um, I think even on even on a team that isn't great. Uh, that should kind of put you in the fantasy discussion, uh, right? And, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that, oh, yes, you should start dropping people and race to get Tyler Ennis because they could change it tomorrow. Uh, but he's also a guy who has shown kind of in, in, in to varying degrees uh, that he can score. Uh, and uh, he, he did it, you know, early pre- previously in Ottawa. He's done it with Toronto. Uh, where he played in a very limited kind of fourth line role, but his, you know, his per minute kind of offense was, was solid. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I don't think I, because I mean, if I'm Ottawa, my objective here isn't to make Tyler Ennis, uh, you know, have him have a great second half. I would rather have young forwards who are going to be part of the future here, be the ones who are getting that opportunity. And so a guy like Formanton, he might be someone that I would prefer more, uh, but you know it might take some time for the the sense to uh, kind of sort out how they're going to handle their lines because um, you know as it stands you know today the opportunity is there for Ennis and, and so I'd, I'd kind of wait and see I guess uh, how long that's going to last because my inclination is the Senators should be looking uh, to give some younger players that shot rather than you know a, a guy I mean Tyler Ennis is is not long for the NHL uh, beyond this season I don't think so. Yeah, well, when he got, I think feel like this already happened where the Sens had him and he was doing well. Then they mm-hmm. traded him with the trade deadline. Yeah, I think they traded Edmonton, right? Yeah. So, like, maybe they're just going to try to, you know, cue this up again. Well, here, that's it. Is that you can kind of pump the value for a little bit, and if if he if he's scoring, you know, there might might be teams who are willing to to bring him in to have the, a little bit of depth scoring because he won't cost a lot to uh, to acquire, and he's not making a lot, so you can fit him under the salary cap. Like, there is some value to doing kind of these short term pump and dump things for NHL teams if uh, if you can get some value out of it. Yeah, so I guess it's the kind of thing where, like, if, if you're in a limited moves league, don't add Tyler Ennis because <laughs> yeah. you don't know how long it'll last. But maybe go Formington then if you're picking between the two. But maybe in the short term, take the guy playing with Kachuk. Uh, I'd even mm-hmm. strengthen on the power play. Uh, by the way, a uh, note in the chat here, Patty is saying, I haven't verified this, but saying uh, Casey Middlestat will not return to tonight's game. So this is a guy with injury history. <laughs> and uh, maybe he's sort of good. So I guess uh, disregard Scott's answer. Yeah, disregard my earlier recommendation of Casey Middlestat. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, Obviously, we don't know the extent of the injury. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, th- this has been, I mean, this season is in just in general is that because between COVID and, and just regular injuries, there are so we go through so many players. Yeah. Right. Is that if you look at how many players have actually played in the league this year, it's just it's an enormous number. Um, like, I, I think we, we already passed um, what the what like the league record was now. Part of it was we have a 30 second team. Uh, but, you know, I think I think it was like 10 or 12 games ago that the NHL already set a record for the number of players to play 
in the league this season because you, you know you take all these COVID absences and, and injuries on top of that and a 32nd team and you know we're, we're working our way through a lot of these depth charts and you know guys like Casey Middlestad are doing their part to keep it up <laughs> yeah or the six uh, goalies on that team that have played yes. as well uh, okay, so I next I want to go so back to these hot streaks. I want to go to San Jose. This isn't a super hot streak, but I did want to bring up Jonathan Dallin, who was cold for a while, but then mm-hmm. had a couple games in a row with a goal. I see he had an assist today. Th- so that's three game point streak, though. The thing I was kind of most excited about him was that he was playing with Timo Meyer for those last yeah. couple of games. But it looks like today for San Jose's 2-1 loss to Carolina, he was back on a line with Logan Couture and Rudolf Balsers and was Barabanov uh, with Meyer and Hurdle. So it makes me less excited about Dallin. <laughs> having a nice rookie season like don't get me wrong but like the reason why this actually disappoints me for the most part is that that means he's playing with logan couture like which kind of feels like an anchor lately because logan couture has totally disappeared which is really frustrating because he did this last year as well he had a super hot start and then fell off the face of the earth and again this year he was super productive and it looks like around like eight games ago he stopped like he has two assists in his last eight games now after today uh taking two or three shots a game nothing going in of course but that's also not like an insane number of shots uh so maybe you can say that he deserves like a bit more maybe a goal or two over that span but uh what 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 do we do with logan couture now is it like at this point just drop him because because i i still am like a bit traumatized from last year i had him in one of my leagues and i held him like way too long waiting for things to turn around and it just like never happened and eventually like wow i wasted a lot of opportunities to pick up free agents (laughs) could have done something so uh where, where are you at with couture right now well i mean it probably depends what kind of quality is out there uh, on your waiver wire because yeah if boldy is there if boldy's well, there yeah you're if Matt boldy's there by, by all means jump in right <laughs> but but this goes to like opportunities gonna be there for logan couture right he's always gonna get ice time uh in san jose and and it's tough to it's tough to go grabbing a guy off the waiver wire in place of a center who's gonna play 18 plus minutes um in the in the role that Logan Couture tends to play for the Sharks, and so yeah, like when you're talking to somebody like Dolan, I think essentially you you want him to ride the coattails, and so if he ends up on on Timo Meyer's line, well then you feel like okay, there's that's a pretty good spot to be because Timo Meyer's been great, and and if you can kind of you know reap reap some value uh, from somebody playing alongside him, great, uh, but that again this goes to the conversation we've sort of had several times here is that you know that that value is very tenuous uh and that if jonathan dolan you know they move him to play with couture and that line isn't going anywhere well then jonathan dolan doesn't have a ton of value because he's not on his own he's not going to drag that line into being uh something right and he he's sort of still at the stage of his career i think where he, he is very dependent on uh, on who who he's playing with and kind of dependent on them to drive the offense and he can just kind of contribute as part of it and and as you say like i mean he he might score 20 goals here as a rookie and that's a pretty good uh, rookie season making the jump from the Elfenskin in Sweden like they're not even their top league uh so all in all i'd consider this a, a big success uh what what the the sharks have had from Dolan this year uh but uh, I, I would be kind of cautious about you know what what kind of value it's going to offer uh for the second half of this season i mean i think some some of this also depends on like if the sharks are in it uh you know whatever in it is uh that they if they if they think they they have a shot at the playoffs um you know whether that means they they add players and if they do well then a guy like jonathan nolan might might be a prime candidate to uh you know to to lose a spot in that top six Right. And then I guess on the other side, if they don't think they're in it, maybe they trade like a Tomas Hurdle and 
that yeah, then, more opportunity right. though then also then it's like then you don't get to play with Tomas Hurdle so I <laughs> yeah. guess it depends how that goes uh, so I, I feel like there's like kind of like Dallin is like in that second tier of rookies this year yeah. like we talked about like Zgrass Raymond like Boldy obviously more at Sider he's a defenseman like these are yep. guys who are like leaders on their team even as rookies and then in the second tier you've got guys like Dallin and also like a Michael Bunting mm-hmm. who probably also isn't someone who would drive a line all by himself but man uh, did he have a game on Saturday uh, the yep. Leafs had like all this past week we saw these weird line combinations where they were running like Nylander, Tavares, and like Matthews, like all on different lines, you know, yeah. like they were really trying to spread things out. Michael Bunting was going to play with Matthews and I guess Andre Kasha. But anyways, like midway through that game against Detroit, like Sheldon keep like scrap that, went back to Matthews, Marner, and Bunting. And that worked out very well for Michael Bunting, who had a hat trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a huge game for him. Uh, if you were to uh, consider like after that first tier of rookies that I mentioned, and now we're in the second tier, is Bunting the top guy like ahead of someone like a Dalin like it just seems like such a great spot for him he's yeah. kind of run hot and cold all season so I'm curious to get your take on like what you've seen from bunting so far this season I really like bunting uh I mean obviously because of the chance to play with Matthews uh and Marner uh, and no I mean I say that I, I would be fine with pretty much anybody that they rolled in there like if they said all right Andre Kasha you're playing okay well we'll give him a shot and and uh but I think what we, you know we've seen from uh bunting uh is that he's such a, a good compliment uh, to those two players. Like he, he does things that they don't uh, in terms of like battling in the corner for pucks, going to the net and, and stirring up trouble. Like he, he does. I mean, his, his skill set hardly overlaps uh, with, with Matthews and Marner in terms of what he's doing on the ice and, and, and what they do. And, and, but that entirely works, right? He's got the, the role that he can fulfill uh, with them. And, and so, yeah, when, when the Leafs were making those line changes during the week, you know, I just, I don't know why they're not kind of, I mean, maybe it's just some experimentation and, you know, we're in the middle of, of the season. You can, there's nothing to prevent you from going back to uh, those combinations. But I like, I, I think the, the Maple Leafs for the most part should be quite happy about rolling out uh, bunting with Matthews and Marner. And then for fantasy purposes, that makes Michael bunting pretty useful. You know, and yes, you have a guy who's playing on on a really good five on five line. He he's been playing on the second power play unit all season, which you know there, there's some value to be had in, in that. Uh, you know, for a guy who kind of had no NHL career until halfway through last season. So um, I, I think yeah, Bunting among the uh, among the kind of second tier rookies, he's he's one of the guys who I would like because just the opportunity is better than so many other guys. Yeah, like Patty's actually mentioning in the chat here. Anton Lundell maybe is another guy who fits yep. into that category. Who he's been good. Uh, I, Lundell actually strikes me as someone who's probably could be like a first tier rookie in a different situation. Like it's just he's on the oh, yeah. line in Florida. Yeah, if yeah, if you if you weren't on this juggernaut Florida team, where um, he he might have an opportunity to play a little bit more. And and but you know yeah. he, he's still having a very a very oh, good rookie sure. season, no doubt. I wonder, like, what does a player prefer, do you think? Would you, ra- if you're a rookie in the league, would you rather be like a Trevor Zegras, be like the star of your team, like right away, but not like a strong playoff contender? Or would you rather be like a Lundell who really like, you know, doesn't get the fanfare? He's a third liner, but he's on a team that's going to likely go on a big run. I, I mean, I, I, I think you'd prefer the Lundell uh, spot because you always want it. You'd always want your team to be, uh, you know, to have a shot. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like if your agent can spin it, right? It's like <laughs> when they're negotiating contracts, like, hey, yeah. he helped you win a cup, as opposed yeah. to like maybe there's many points. But and, and but that's the kind of thing that that sticks with you, you know, for your entire career, 
right? Is that it, it, if if the Panthers, you know, if they go on a run this year and they and they win a Stanley Cup and Anton Lindell is playing a top nine role for them, then you know, surely he will have chances to contribute in a really meaningful way in a big spotlight as a rookie. Like if you go and win the cup, then that then that kind of sticks with you for the rest of you know, your career that, oh yeah, as a rookie, he he played that well for us on, on our way to win a Stanley Cup. Now, you know, as great as the Panthers are, they're hardly a sure thing to win the cup. There are still some really, there's some, some big hurdles to, to overcome to get there. But, um, you know, I, I think given the choice, you'd, you'd rather have a team that has a shot at the Stanley Cup uh, all the time. I need to get a player on the show at some point. So I guess I, I, I think I'd agree with you, though. I don't knowing myself. I feel like I'd rather be the star, but maybe this just goes <laughs> to my, my ego or something. Uh, okay. So, uh, to end the show, I just wanted to, uh, ask some questions that I got. I, I mentioned to the Keeping Carlson patron community that we had Scott Cullen coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if anyone has any questions, and of course, a bunch of really good ones poured in because people are really excited to have you here on the show. So I'll throw a couple of the, of the really good ones at you. Uh, so Shams, who uh, asked the previous questions here in the chat, uh, and he's also the person, by the way, I don't know if you know Scott. We uh, have a few really cool Twitter accounts that we've been running, uh, Game Day Lines, where we retweet yeah. all of the line tweet combinations from beat writers. Yes. Shams has been helping me with that. Yes. Yeah, so we, nice. we have a few oh, ones like that. So good job, Shams. But anyways, okay. Here's a question <laughs> to you. Thoughts on Tyler Sagan? Uh, and it's actually, this question's already changed uh, since I wrote it. Uh, so basically, this is the story with Tyler Sagan. Nothing all season. Then, like a couple weeks ago, he had this like run of three games where he had like three amazing games, and I believe like Robertson or Hints or someone was injured. Like I think Sagan was getting like a bit of an inflated role. Yeah. Then like everything went back to normal in Dallas, and Sagan three quiet games once again. So then Chance was asking, was this just three game point streak a blip, or is he worth a hold? Though I should point out that a small update is that Dallas is absolutely destroying the Boston Bruins today. It's currently five uh, one uh, midway through the third, and Tyler Sagan has a goal and an assist for himself so he's having himself a bit of a game he scored an unassisted goal in the first i see he uh, assisted on a jamie ben goal in the second like my general take my, my general answer was gonna be like if, if he threw to me like that th- that it is a blip and the stars just seem to me like the type of team where they basically just want their first line to produce and then everyone else just like try to keep you know pucks out of the net uh but what do you think do you think now what maybe now that sagan had this good game this is your opportunity to try to sell him for something or do you think that, that he could be for real because he used to be such a big star in the league and totally disappeared yeah well i mean the 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 tough thing here for the the stars is that uh, their their best players of years gone by have really uh, been worn down right like i think Sagan had surgery on both hips or something and uh and and Jamie Benz had multiple surgeries uh and and so i think when when they roll out you know when they have Robertson and Hints and and Pavelski well wow that that's a, a great line and and they're really productive it, and, and if the stars are going to get production out of like lines two and three, it's almost like they need a time machine uh, because Ben and Sagan and Radulov, none of those guys are what they used to be. Uh, and, you know, yes, it, it would be nice. And I think Sagan might be the one who uh, of those three that I would look at and think, yeah, there's still a path to him getting back. Like he's, he just had those surgeries um, in the off season. And so the fact that he's, um, you know, maybe he hasn't been in prime form this year. Shouldn't come as a total surprise. Uh, but, you know, I would basically be, I would tread cautiously here with, with him. Like if you found somebody better on the waiver wire, again, Matt Boldy, uh, that, mm-hmm. that yes, I, w- I would be willing to to drop Sagan and, and look elsewhere. Uh, but he's also the kind of guy that, you know, I I'd consider, you know, in another situation, I, I might consider buying low on him and, and seeing whether or not the, 
you know, as he gets further away from, uh, from surgery that, uh, that maybe he start, his body starts to feel a little better and, and you have a chance uh, that he can produce in the second half. But I'm, I'm pretty wary of, of the stars, you know, the kind of the, the second tier guys there, because it just, it, it seems like their bodies are really breaking down. And, you know, usually once that starts, uh, it, it doesn't get much better. Right, yeah. So we could always be hopeful that, yeah, he'll all of a sudden just keep healing and keep healing and get better. But I think games yeah. like this are going to be more of a rarity. We're like, yeah, Probably. if he's available, you can stream him in. If he has a good schedule, maybe he'll give you a goal and assist in a game. But don't expect, like, yeah, long-term production. Okay, so then Jacabs wanted me to ask you about Connor Hellebuck because he's been really bad for a while now. That That's uh, his quote, but I agree with that. Uh, I'm taking a look over his last six games. No wins, only one quality start, according to Frozen Tools. Yeah. Uh, he's had five goals against in each of his last two games versus Vancouver. Vancouver and Florida. Overall on the season, Hellebuck sits at a 909 save percentage. That's down from the 916 save percentage from last season, which was already a disappointment and down from his Vesna winning 922 save percentage from the year before. So is this a, a case where like Connor Hellebuck is following a, a Matt Murray trajectory? Or no, I shouldn't say that. Like that's too crazy of a question, right? But like, uh, like how harsh. Yeah, yeah. That, that's too harsh. But like, is, is this like a huge buy low opportunity? Like he's going to bounce back? Or do you think that maybe because I remember back when Hellebuck was doing so well, everyone was saying how like he's really bailing out this uh, team. I kind of like what you said about Mike Smith earlier, right? Like yeah. it was like the team has bad defense and Hellebuck was making them look better and obviously putting up these great numbers. But obviously at the end of the day, if you're a goalie for a team that has weak defense, there's only so long maybe you can last. And so, yeah, do you think this 909 save percentage is going to stick or do you think he could have a bounce back in the second half? I mean, I think he can, I think he can finish better than 909, but, and, and the Jets made moves to improve that uh, defense in the off season. Uh, but I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's improved enough. Um, I looked on a natural stat trick and there are 35 goalies that have played um, a thousand overall minutes, right? So far this season. Uh, and only seven of them have a higher rate of expected goals against than, uh, than Hellebuck. So he's still facing a, a pretty high quality uh, of shots against, uh, which, you know, given, you know, given that the, the off season was supposed to be, well, the jets have uh, really solidified this defense in front of him. I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that has borne itself out uh, quite as much as you would hope. And so I think Hellebuck in, in the year that he won the Vesna and even last year, he had, he had played so much better uh, than, than the defense in front of him that uh, in some ways you get spoiled. Uh, and, and every once in a while, uh, you know, sometimes really great goaltenders, it's, it's like they just get overwhelmed by it all. Like John Gibson's had that, uh, oh, I would yeah. say, in the past yeah. few years in Anaheim. This year is different. Like they're, they're a much more competitive team and, and Gibson seems to be playing all right. Uh, but I, I think when you've kind of been the guy and, you, and you've carried the team for a while, that there are times where, you know, you, your, your performance starts to slip a little bit and the team's not helping you out at all. Uh, and, and I think that's sort of where we are on Hellebuck. I mean, I would try a buy low on him. If you can find somebody who's looking at that 909 save percentage and isn't too, too thrilled about it uh, because I don't, I don't think that it would get dramatically worse. Like even if the rest of the season doesn't go great for the jets, I don't imagine that all of a sudden he has an 890 save percentage or something in, in that range. Right. Like, so, and, and then there's still the chance that, well, if you really get Connor Hellebuck playing at his best, well, then it, it, it could be pretty good. And now the, the other kind of, you know, non numbers aspect to this uh, is that Hellebuck, does seem like in, in terms of a few, there were a few interviews and stuff where it seems like he's one of the guys who, who is not, 
not loving the the uh, the COVID protocols and such that that are going around the NHL. And I, I think it, there are some cases where, and particularly with goalies, I, I remember hearing about Carter Hart last year. The the guys were saying that it, it was really hard on him. And then, I mean, we saw what kind of season he had. It was disastrous, um, right? And and so maybe that's something that you know, could kind of be an underlying cause here that, that Hellebuck isn't quite uh, at his very best because, you know, the, 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 the way, the way the pandemic has gone for, uh, you know, it affects people differently. And, and just based on, on how some of his interviews went, you could tell Hellebuck wasn't terribly thrilled about, you know, the, the number of lockdowns and, and all those things. And, and some guys can handle it better than others. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe in the case of Hellebuck, maybe that's something that's, you know, kind of bothering him on the day to day. I see. Yes. Maybe it's gotten in his head a little bit. I yeah. guess it's, it's such a mental game for a goalie. Uh, it's interesting. Like, I feel like I'm of two minds because on one hand, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, if you could buy low right now, like get him for a decent price, then why not? He's still the starter. Like he's clearly a star in the league. Yeah. Like you think things would get better. I almost wonder though, on the flip side, like probably you still could get a really good haul for him since like, you know, he is the starter yeah. and like he has this great track record. So part of me wonders if maybe it's a good time to like sell low, if that's a thing, like, well, <laughs> like just obviously it depends what you could get, but like my policy has always kind of been, and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't like my policy has been never to like pay a lot for a goalie just because they're so yeah. random. And like, you know, you draft Connor Hellebuck in the second round and he's been a lot worse for you than like a Jack Campbell who you could have gotten, you know, in like the, the sixth round or something. So I almost wonder like if you could get a big haul for him, like, you know, a goalie who's decent, like I, I don't know. Like uh, I'm trying to think of an example of, of of a goal at the top of my head. Maybe like Minnesota, like Cam Talbot. Well, maybe yeah. there's some tough situations there because like Talbot has a backup that's maybe challenging. But you know what I mean? Like get a goalie who you know you could depend on somewhat, mm-hmm. but also get like a huge skater upgrade. Maybe now's the time to cut bait. Though I do I do agree with you that there's definitely a chance that he could do better. It's just it's so hard to predict with goalies. So it's like it's hard to even give advice. Well, but we were talking about that uh, that uh, dynasty league that I'm in with uh, with experts. Uh, early in Hellebuck's career. Uh, it was a league where we had four keepers and I had Hellebuck. I got him, you know, kind of early uh, when he, when he came out of uh, college and, and had, had some initial success. And I'm feeling like, Oh, I've got this guy who's going to be a, you know, lockdown goaltender for me for, for a long time. And then like, I want to say his kind of second full season. So third season in the league, he, he struggled. He had like a nine Oh seven save percentage right. or something. And I'm like, wow, I can't keep that guy. Right, oh, no. 907 save percentage. I gotta let him go. Well, then for the next five years, he's been, you know, one of the very best. And and this is such as such as the nature of goaltenders is that you can, you know, you you can think that you know who who the good ones are, and and all it takes is one season for you to kind of have to oh hold on, I, I don't, I'm not sure, and you know, and so even the very best of them, you know, Hellebuck's had some season, you know, one or two seasons where he's been off. Carey Price has had seasons where where it hasn't been so good. like it almost almost every goaltender uh, you know as good as they are uh, is going to run into uh, some seasons where the numbers just aren't aren't what you expect and you know it's i i, I you know we, the the saying goes that goalies are voodoo and uh, I, I don't even know if that does it quite justice Okay, here's my insanity wolf idea that I'm not actually recommending. But you set if you have Connor Hellebuck, you sell him for just the best skater. Like get like Gensel, yeah. like I don't know, get like a really good skater. Yeah. Then you grab Craig Anderson out of free agency <laughs> to fill his spot. Okay, and you'll be fine. 
<laughs> uh, well, maybe Craig Anderson, Dustin Tokarski, and, and uh, Uka Pekalukunen. You need to get sure. all, all the Sabres possibilities. Yeah, Sash Lukunen and I are, and I think Grab Anderson. Uh, okay, so I guess to end the show, I guess since we're on Winnipeg, we might as well, you, you brought up how they tried to shore up the defense, and one of those things they did was bringing in Nate Schmidt. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking recently about the struggles of Neil Pionk, and Brian uh, has him in in uh, the couple to keep in Carlson Ultimate Patriot Fantasy League, and he was maybe wishfully saying that he still believes that Neil Pionk can turn things around. Hey, he's on the top power play in Winnipeg. Like, you know, like maybe it's just a cold stretch. But actually, things have kind of changed. In the last couple of games, it looks like it's been Nate Schmidt running the top power play, and Neil Pionk has been bumped. A lot like that happened last year, right? Like uh, Josh Morrissey ran the top power play for a bit. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it's not like Neil Pionk's spot with like an iron grip. Uh, and actually, Schmidt is on a decent run. He scored in the last game. He's got two yeah. points in his last three. Uh, what's the panic level, first of all, on Neil Pionk? And then separately, like, what do you think about Nate Schmidt if he's available for people to grab at this point? Um, I, I wouldn't get into a huge panic over it, but because I think it, when you have Neil Pionk, you're not expecting that, oh, he has this ironclad grip on the on the top power play unit. You know, I think you're when you have him, you're like, well, it's nice when he's getting the, uh, those minutes, but you realize that it's not not like a birthright kind of thing for them that uh, you know that the mm-hmm. production has to be there and if they decide to to go another way then uh, that's that's life uh, and so you know it, since this is still relatively recent I I'd hang on to Pionk and you know see see if he can kind of gain it back because I mean he's you know aside from recent struggles he's he's been really good since uh, going to Winnipeg I think far better than most people expected myself included. Um, after, uh, when he came over in that trade from the Rangers. So, uh, and then for Nate Schmidt, I don't mind Schmidt in kind of a deep league, um, but, he, but he always seems to be, the, there's like a, a ceiling on, on what, what kind of production you get out of him. And, and so I, I wouldn't expect that though, he's going to be the first, first power play quarterback for the rest of the year or anything like that. Like to, to me, given all we've seen throughout his career, that, that's probably not a role that he's going to hold for um, the rest of the season. So, you know, I, I still don't mind him. Like I said, in deeper leagues, he's, he's, you know, modestly productive, uh, half decent player, but um, I, I would kind of, I guess, keep my eyes open on, on what's happening with the jets and, and how, how they decide to handle it. Right. So it's another name to throw out there. If you need D, maybe take yeah. a look if Schmidt's available. Maybe just to throw out some comparables. I feel like he's maybe like a Justin Falk type that yeah. I've seen drop in some of my leagues. Maybe even like a Noah Dobson, who maybe has the potential to like be on the top power play on, on the Islanders, but you know generally doesn't produce that much aside from that one stretch yeah, uh, yeah. a month or so ago where he went hot. Uh, okay, Scott, this is like, first of all, the time has flown by. This has been such a pleasure and honor to have you back on Keeping Carlson. I, I really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners really enjoyed this show. Uh, but I think I've taken up enough of your time here. You're used to doing those uh, like five minute, 10 minute podcasts <laughs> that you used to do <laughs> on the other network. Uh, but yeah, uh, before before you go, do you want to just like let people know like where they can find all of your great work, anything that they should be checking out? Well, sure. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at by Scott Cullen. Uh, that's kind of the, the easiest spot to, to track me down. But I've uh, been writing sports betting stuff for uh, a company called sportsbookreview.com. Uh, and so uh, th- th- and I cover lots of hockey there too. But uh, we also, football is obviously a pretty big thing right now uh, and in uh, basketball. So kind of bouncing around uh, sports there. But I also uh, still doing fantasy hockey uh, piece once a week for McKean's Hockey. Uh, and so kind of, uh, I'm, I'm still, I, I haven't, uh, written on my, my Substack. Uh, I have a Scott Cullen hockey, uh, at Substack. 
but I may have to dust it off to to kind of add some fantasy content to it. I don't know. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see. But uh, th- those are you know you check out those spots. You'll you'll find me. Great. Yeah. Well, I guess they're definitely. Yeah. So the sports book review and McKean's, of course. But McKean's, by the way, has their own projections. That yes. I know at the start of the year. Did you contribute to those? No. Or okay, so those are separate projections. Those are yes. not Scott Collins projections. Okay. I mean, I I, I did uh, as part of their preview magazine. I, I wrote a bunch of team like player profiles uh, for a good number of them. But I, I think they have somebody else who does their uh, the actual point projections for them. And I was you know. I, 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 I'm fine with kind of keeping those things separate and that way I can put out my own, uh, uh, projections at the start of the year. So, you know, that, that is always, you know, kind of no matter where I end up, uh, writing and, and so on, I'm still happy to, to do the projections, uh, when the time comes. Well, that's awesome. It's always, it's like Christmas for me, like the day that you're, proje- it's always like, it's in two stages, right? First, you have those projections of just the points. Yes. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm kind of curious to see, but like, I need the full projections. So I can <laughs> put them in the my spreadsheets yes. to get my rankings for my specific league. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's the really exciting day. So yeah, obviously we'll have to wait until October. Patty actually wrote in the chat here, like, can you ask him to make the projections sooner <laughs> next year? I, I, I may be able to, we'll, we'll see it. it I mean, these, uh, as, as we, we talked about, uh, uh, fair, my, my, my schedule during the pandemic, has not been what I had hoped course, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so if we ever got to a point where the world was kind of normal, I'd, I'd be thrilled to maybe get things out a little bit earlier. Uh, well, I guess it's a double-edged sword also, because like there's all those developments in training camp that may lead you to wish you uh, waited a little bit. I guess yeah, you know, yeah. it's the internet. You could always change things. Uh, so yeah, thanks again for coming on. If you ever want to uh, dust off the podcasting, you're always welcome here on Keeping Carlson. We love having you. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Uh, so again, you can follow Scott uh, at by Scott Cullen. Uh, follow us at Keeping Carlson. Uh, if you want to continue becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. You'll find all the information for that in our show notes. But yeah, with that, uh, I think that uh, it's time to bid everyone adieu. So Scott, good luck in your fantasy leagues for the rest of the year. Awesome. Once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was great. 